Jesus. 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 Your name is above all names. Thank you for giving us your name. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving us. I ask that you give us understanding hearts, open ears, hearing ears, and help me this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. That was less painful than I thought it was going to be. Don't normally do stuff like that. But here we go. So, um, we're going to read two scriptures to establish where we're going. And then I've got three things which were quite heavily on my mind. Um, and I'll tell you what they are. They are faith, fervency, and the Holy Spirit. And I could not get away from them. So, we'll read these two scriptures, establish a few things... And now go to them, and it won't be long, and we will uh, finish. So the first one is in Acts 17, 22 to 27. Um, and I will read it very quickly. So this is when Paul went to um, Athens. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way, you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And the second scripture is in Deuteronomy 32, 8. It says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of God. And I found those two scriptures quite interesting when thinking about praying for the nations. So God, we know that, made the whole world and the earth. All things that we see. He's the creator of the things very, very small, very, very big. Creator of the things visible and invisible. He is the one who gives us life and breath. Now, I found it interesting that he determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling of the nations. So he knows. And he gave the nations their inheritance. And I, I sort of thought, that is some, you know, something I don't think about. Inheritance, you think about people giving inheritance to their children when they're about to go. But that the Lord himself gave the nations their inheritance 
their resources, their peoples, their skills, whatever they might call resources within the boundaries of where they call a nation, God gave to each nation their own inheritance. And then when Paul was speaking to the you know, Athenians, he was saying, I want every, God wants every single people in every nation to seek him and to begin to feel their way. I quite liked that. Feel their way towards him, even if they don't know him, and then find him. And for me, that was important just to hold in my mind. Nations, God's idea, inheritance, which he has given unto them, the people he knows, and he wants them to seek him. So that's done. It's very simple. We know these things. I just need to remind myself as well. Now, going on to the three things. So, first of all, faith. And it's such a, because I thought, Lord, this is so simple. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you'd have had many a teaching on faith. And we talk about faith. Sometimes it's like faith. Oh, I'm going to switch off now. It's faith. Um, but it's quite critical. And I, you might say, hold on, Andrew. We're talking about praying for the nations and the people in authority. While we're talking about faith, because of these two scriptures, Hebrews eleven six, And he says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James 1, 6 to 7 then says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And I found that second one a bit hard. Honestly, the scriptures just, they just say things. Don't suppose he would receive anything from the Lord. And so, for, for me, when I come to pray, I find that I want to pause. Because if not, I'll just utter words. You know, because we've prayed for a long time. You know, if you've been in church, you're just like, oh, Lord, and you just pray. But I'd want us to think about he who comes to God must first believe that he is. So we must be aware of him. It's not an idea. He's not a, you know, Jesus is not just a name. He is a being and a person. So when I do say in the name of Jesus, he is more real than me. I'm speaking to a being. When I come to God, I'm speaking to a being who's not dead or old or decrepit, you know, like long gone, something of the past. He is alive and powerful. He, the God I'm coming to, made people. And I find it fascinating because, you know, when you look at maybe people who do research or scientists or doctors or neurosurgeons, they talk about such wonderful things, don't they? Or people who are clinical psychologists who will talk about the mind. It's so complex. And just a human, one human is such a complex creature of, of vessels and systems and different people have to study different parts of it to be able to do something with it. You know, there's a brain person, there's a person you go to to do your back and the muscles, and, but it's just one human being, right? 
And then when you think about the mind, it's so complex. They, they talk about it and, you know, people have to study for such a long time to then get. But God is the maker of this complex creature. God is the maker of this earth, which geologists are studying, and this universe, which these scientists are studying, and this astrophysicist, and all these very clever people. But there is a maker of them. So we would do him, you can't think of him as old and gone. Dear me, that is an intelligent being. So when I come to God, I come with that consciousness of the person to whom I am speaking to. He's not a man, like, you know, just a man. He's not at my level. He is a powerful being that dwells outside of time, that made the nations, that gave them the boundaries. See, if I'm coming to pray for the nations, I come recognizing God is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I know sometimes we might struggle with the idea of being rewarded for anything, you know. But get over it. It's the Lord saying, I, I am the rewarder. Yeah, it's not like we're trying to take something he's not given. So that is the thing. And then the second bit in James that talks about, if I come doubting, don't expect to receive anything. That's hard. And we may hear things that say, oh, don't worry, nurture the doubt. It's okay. But I'm wanting to get my prayers answered here. Therefore, if there is an issue of doubt, it is something not to be ignored or nurtured or pacified, but to be dealt with without guilt, without condemnation. Because we're humans, aren't we? And we go through tough times and life can beat things out of us and relationships can frustrate us and situations can sort of squeeze us into nothingness and and sometimes we go through such a tough time that by the time we're done we don't have enough we don't have enough and so God will never say oh you doubter what a horrible person no 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 but what I'm saying is there must be that authenticity to recognize I have not got faith right now I am tossing around I'm not going to gloss over it He doesn't reject me for it. I'm not a bad person for it, but it's something I would want to deal with so that I can come knowing that he is and I can come knowing I can receive from him. Are we with me so far? So faith. And it's not about how long we've been Christians and it's not even about our status, whatever that means in the Christian world, because there are things that may seem impossible but it's in our heart to ask for, and so it's quite important. Now, I'll move on to fervency. Actually, before I move on to fervency, um, I just wrote there, you know, genuineness of faith, because it's a heart issue. So when we come to God, believe that he is. He's a rewarder. He is able to do, and we come to him that way. But then thinking about fervency, this scripture, James 5, um, hold on, James 5, 16, um, 
Confess to one another, therefore, your faults and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. And then he says the earnest, I think we all know this uh, verse 17, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. I like this scripture. I like the idea of tremendous power. Have you ever woken up sometimes and you're like, I'm emotionally drained. I don't have the strength to do anything. I don't know. I've been there. Um, I can't. I don't want. I can't do stuff. And then somebody prays for you, and all of a sudden, what you couldn't do, you find the power to get on and do it. There's something about tremendous power being made available through prayer. So prayer is such a powerful thing. But I was looking at that word fervent and fervency. Fervent prayer is a prayer from the heart. It's not a prayer that is said to please the people around us. You know, sometimes when we gather to pray, I might pray thinking about the people around me so that I pray the prayer that is pleasing to their ears or politically okay or might encourage them but I'm not praying to them. My prayer is to the one who is. And therefore, even though you're beside me, I cannot pray to you. It's not prayer because I'm not talking to you. I'm praying to the Father. And so I pray from my heart. So when I think about praying for the nations, what am I asking? What, 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 what do I want? Because sometimes nations are so far away. Do you know, like, like I, sometimes I may not really care if I'm being, you know, because they're, they're, they're far. They're, I don't know what they are, who they are. I might see things in the media, but, but I, I, I can't quite connect. So then how do I get that fervency? How do I get what's in my heart? Because for that prayer to be effective, it needs to be fervent. It cannot be cold and dispassionate. If it's cold, it's not fervent. It, can't, it has to be one or the other. And so to get fervency, I, I, my emotions need to come into play. Which is why I think it's good that we come to God unmasked. If I'm genuinely frustrated about something, I'm not going to try and get holy before we come to him. I am, I am, Father, genuinely frustrated about this. And I'm going to talk to him as it is in my heart. If I feel the pain of something, if I'm scared, you know, like when you're genuinely scared or anxious about something, I'm not going to put that anxiety aside and then come clean, like come in another way. I'm just going to come with that anxiety and I'm going to pray from my heart as it is in me in that fervency and emotion and passion because I really do mean what I'm saying to you, Father. I'm not making these words up. I'm not trying to impress you, God. I I'm asking for this thing or I am talking to you about something that genuinely means something to me, that fervency in prayer. Come as you, as you are, unmasked, the emotions, the awe, the fervency. 
Another qualifier there is, is a prayer, a fervent prayer of a righteous person. Thankfully, Jesus has done all that work, all of it, so I can come as a righteous person anyway, not doing anything with that. But I focus on my fervency. With me so far? Okay. Um, this is a popular scripture, isn't it? You know, the fervent prayer of a righteous person makes generous power available. And for me, sometimes when it's popular and I've read it too many times, I tend to just gloss over it. But can we just let this marinate? Tremendous power. And the Bible doesn't exaggerate, you know. It, something that's tremendous is, is powerful, it's effective. We don't make it powerful and effective. It is. But we must pray from the heart. From the heart, never mindless prayers, or it will not be effective as far as I can read. And the last thing that I want to talk about is the Holy Spirit, and we'll be done soon. Um, this scripture, Romans 8, 22 to 26, I'll read it. Um, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the popular bit, isn't it? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, we could have started from verse 18, but I encourage you to read it on your own. Um, verse 22 says, the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth. I've, I've had two children I, I know the pains. I've been there. Um, I remember the first time, and Yudi uh, was talking to me about something. I was like, "I'm not even here right now. I am. Uh, I'm not here." Um, uh, yeah, because I, I was, you know, but but I had learned, you know, to sort of, I suppose, as as the pain comes, it means baby is about to come. So help baby, so I sort of remove the focus from myself onto the baby, but that's another matter. But the pain of childbirth, the Bible says that creation has been groaning. And it occurred to me, people are groaning. Children, parents, hospitals, systems, nations, they are groaning right now. They are, aren't they? They're groaning in pain. They are groaning. That's what's happening. Then, who can interpret that groan? Just hold that question for a bit, because what happened to me as I, as I read over, because I'm not a pastor, you know, you, you people teach all the time, I've got to stay on this thing to, to, to understand what the Father is saying to me to teach. So I, I stayed on this for a while, and this word, likewise, I was like, what is likewise? You know, when you say likewise, that means there's something similar before. And I couldn't quite 
make the connection. Why likewise the Spirit helps us? Likewise. Why don't just say the Holy Spirit helps us? What is that word likewise doing there? It took a while of just wrestling with this until that scripture opened up to me. And I saw that the Spirit, Holy Spirit, was interceding or intercedes for us with what? Help me. With what? And then I thought, okay, there was a groaning in this part. And the Spirit is responding with groaning. Apologies, but that is how it came to me. And I thought it's like, just for illustration, say the creation is speaking Mandarin. And the Spirit is responding in Spanish. That's not what's happening here. The creation speaks Mandarin. The Spirit intercedes in Mandarin. Just for illustration, okay? So the creation groans, but there is one who can interpret what that groan is. And it's not us. Because when something groans, say a boy is messing up. And we look at this boy, we say he's groaning. Yeah? I hope you understand the metaphor. I interpret that groan as... I need to pray for you to begin to behave. But the spirit who knows the minds and can hear the groans that are too deep for words interprets that as this boy needs a revelation of who he is. Same as, you know, God revealed to Gideon. Does that make sense? There's a groan happening. The systems are crying the media is saying something. They're interpreting that groan for us. But it may not be, which is why we ask for the Holy Spirit to come pray. Because he is the hearer of what is behind the groan, the interpreter of the groan, and then the one who groans, interceding. And so he prays intelligently. And when I say intelligently, I don't mean like, smartly you know like intelligence you're smart you're clever no 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 i mean with data information so we pray intelligently if we pray through the spirit by the spirit because we groan along with him but we interpret what's going on does that make sense okay so if it's not common practice with us can i encourage you because I know we could have rushed to, these are the five, step, five steps to pray for the nations. Do one, two, three, four, five, you've prayed. No, no, no. That wasn't how the Father was leading me. If it's not common practice, before you pray, before we pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come. You would see your, the prayer life, you know, like sometimes when we say, oh, prayer is boring, it's going to take time. You be there. You will be there. And you'll be like, oh, Oh, okay, because he is praying, and there are times you may have to kick start, you know, start the prayer going, and then he comes. So the Holy Spirit, you know, he's gentle, but he's definitely not weak. He's the same person who raised Jesus from the dead. He's God. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is, believe me, he is a, a being to, and thank God he, he dwells in us. I'm bringing it to a close. Hope we understand we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that, don't we? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
We wrestle against spirits in heavenly places. Prayer is powerful. And if the enemy can do anything to lull us to sleep or apathy or laziness, sorry, or I'm talking to myself as well, so don't worry. He would do it or he could distract us with fighting among ourselves. Just don't pray. Just don't pray. Don't pray. He will do it because this that the Father has given us is powerful. So now, just bringing it to conclusion, praying for the nations then. I come to the God who made the nations. So I stop to say, you are, and you're a rewarder. You made the nations. I put that in my, I suppose, recognition. Then I'm fervent. So I have to pray with, from my heart for these nations that I don't know well. What do I do then? What do I do? Because prayer cannot, oh God, help us. It cannot be empty words. Oh, oh it, it doesn't work. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to. How do I speak to God and I don't even mean what I'm saying to him? How does he answer that? I don't mean it. I don't really care. I don't really mean it. My lips are saying something. My heart is far away from him. No, no, no. So what I, what I do, it's not a template, but it works for me, is I begin to pray about things I am passionate about. So, for example, I can pray for a young person for, like, ages. So I pray for the young people in that nation because it's something specific I can grasp up to. I can pray through that. I'm passionate about the Father placing people that belong to him in places of influence. Not necessarily visibility, just influence. You know, like how he placed Obadiah, the prophet in the house of Ahab. That sort of stuff. Because I believe God is strategic. So I can pray for that. So I begin to pray, Lord, place your people in positions of influence. That is a passion. I can say, I pray for if only Christians or people of God will understand their calling and their purpose. Because when we do that, we don't fight because we know our place. When we understand, we're not looking for somebody's approval or, or, or validation. We hear and we go because my own work will be tested at some point. My work. Bible talks about it. My work will be tested with fire. So I'm not looking at you because I'm so sorry. You may approve. Forgive me. Okay, this is Angie, and this is me you've got this morning. You may approve or you may not. But the thing is, there is a father that I'm accountable to. So I've got to listen. And if we do, if we understand this is where he's called me to, we move on that. So that is something I'm passionate about. I can pray, Lord, open the eyes of your people. But I also start listening for the Holy Spirit. What are you saying about this nation? It's not about who goes out first, you know, who starts to pray quickly, who prays the longest, who prays the loudest. None of that. I mean, Hannah, who prayed and Samuel came in the Bible. The Bible says her lips were moving, but there were no words. She was fervent. So it's not even about how loud we are, how um, 
I don't know, dramatic it is, the words I say, how spiritual they sound, all of that doesn't matter. It is praying to the Lord and fervency of spirit. It makes tremendous power available. So imagine this. Somebody in some other nation, God wakes them up and says, pray for the UK. But gives them specific stuff to pray about. They begin to pray over there. And as they pray, we get strength over here. In this place, God says to his people, pick that nation. Pray for this particular sector. You don't know what's happening. Imagine being at work or in your neighborhood. And suddenly you feel, oh, I feel strength. It might be somebody in some corner of the earth praying for some people working in the health sector somewhere. I, I don't know because the spirit is powerful. It can do all things. So when we pray for the nations, pray through the spirit. Because, because the enemy, gosh, will not be able to stamp it down. Because whilst he's trying to fight this one, that person over there is praying for the other person. And he's like, oh, you stop. And then that person starts praying. So it's like we're all connected and we're all praying. And the church is like one, praying everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Praying across the world is like power going from one place to the other. And we don't even see these things, but it's powerful. Okay. I'm done. But I'd like us to pray then. So the things that we've talked about, faith, fervency, and the Holy Spirit. Pick two nations, one in the one UK, because we're here, and another. But come to God knowing that he is the maker of the United Kingdom. Of everybody in it as well. Of that other nation. Find something you're passionate about. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. So can we rise up and just pray, even as um, we bring this to a close? Thank you. Don't wait for me. Just pray. It can be quiet. It can be silent. But let it be fervent from your heart. Imagine the tremendous power being made available right now. Thank you, Father. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Raise up prayers in every nation, O oh God. Raise up people who would understand there is a kingdom of God. There is a battle. And there are serious matters. Raise up people who would know that the earth and the creation are groaning. And sometimes the answer is not always in front of us. Raise up people that will pray for every groan, every groan that they hear. Lord, thank you because you love us. I pray that even beyond what I've said, that you minister to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.